Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me on our 100th episode. We've made it 100 episodes. Nicole Davis. Nicole's wooing. How are you? (laughs) I am delighted that we have made it to 100 episodes. I hope we make it 100 more and who knows how far beyond that however long everybody still wants to do it that's right uh, <laughs> we haven't lost interest yet and we did 54 before this on geek cinema so we're going strong yes yes and i watched the movie and i'm ready to talk about it and i have wine and i'm already like halfway through my wine so i'm in like the perfect mood here perfect i feel like everyone was halfway through their wine in the creation of every part of this movie uh david luzader you're joining us as well happy 100th episode Happy 100th episode to you. I didn't know what gift to get you guys. Which, oh God, what podcasting anniversary is the 100th episode? Is that, is that Mike Cord? <laughs> Mike <that> Cord. Like, <laughs> is that like 10th episode? I can never remember the traditions. Right. It's the headphone anniversary. The headphone anniversary. That's right, right. Of course, naturally. Uh, well, it's our 100th episode, so we do want to mention that if you'd like to go over to our website, just go to mgrpodcast.com. There's going to be articles up there. They started last week. They're continuing through this week uh, that include... Everything from us picking future classics that we didn't get to visit along the way that are now no longer eligible uh, to me picking our favorite dogs from the hundred episodes so far and our favorite canines along the way to all sorts of other fun things. It's a cool opportunity for us to just do something a little bit different on the site. So again, mgrpodcast.com. Check out those lists and articles. It's a fun thing to read on your commute when you're not listening to Movie Go Round. You get double the Movie Go Round this week, really, if you go check that stuff out. This week was You Did This To Us, though, fitting for episode 100. And you did do it to us. We had a hell of a lot of votes. And you guys really voted. And you voted on Twilight. <laughs> There's no good way to introduce yep. that. We got, we almost got the room. Yeah. The room came close for a final episode. I'm not final episode, uh, guys. I have something to tell you. Um, <laughs> By the way, no, no, for a 100th episode, the room would have been fitting. But I suppose, in its own weird way, the mega sensation of Twilight is probably fitting as well. So that's what we watch this week. However, I do want to announce next week's movie. Next week is new to two. We're restarting the uh, rotation. This will be our first rotation of the 100s. And it's my pick. I get to pick something that neither Nicole nor David have, have ever seen before. It's slow burn. It's one of those movies that you're gonna have to sit down and watch and it's gonna take a while and it's gonna be a little bit boring. But I promise you're gonna get something really good out of it. We're gonna watch <laughs> um, 1984's Paris, Texas. Uh, so available i i know it's available in the criterion collection i streamed it on their like criterion channel app but you can rent it and all that good stuff um by a german director named wim wenders which is oh vim wenders yeah vim wenders is harry dean stanton in that one he is is in this one it's it's arguably the only lead role he ever really had (laughs) um this was the movie where he finally got to not be the sidekick so 
it's interesting. It's a road movie. If you've never seen a road movie before, it's uh, one of the quintessential ones. So check it out, Paris, Texas. But this week, you did this to us. You did Twilight. Teenaged Bella Swan is tired of her flighty mom and moves in with her dad in Rainy Forks, Washington. At her new school, she notices the attractive but self-isolating Cullen family, especially the soulful Edward. After an unnaturally fast, Edward saves her from being struck by a car. She becomes obsessed with learning his secret and finds out more than she bargained for. But who cares if he's technically 90 years older than she is and drinks blood because he's good looking and by golly, he's sparkly. We watched Twilight. Uh, Also, man, my voice is still pneumonia, post-pneumonia voice if I sound a little off this episode. So let's start with the fact that you guys paid to see this. (laughs) <laughs> and I and I was the demo. <laughs> I didn't say I paid to see this movie. I was I was I like fourteen or fifteen when this movie came out, and I realized that the demo skews way more heavily female. But still, I remember this being a really big deal. Um, I didn't oh, yeah. saw them though before. Now this is the first one I've seen. I seen a little oh. bit of another one, but that's it. Let me add a lot of context to why I saw this movie. I'm okay. I'm going to guess a date was involved. I mean, okay, as close as it kind of... So, uh, 2008, I would have been... I, well, this probably when this came out. So, I was 20 years old when this movie came out. came out two days before I turned 20. So, I probably saw it after. I don't remember the specifics. But my very good friend, Anna, and I uh, decided to go see it, I guess, to make fun of it and um, <laughs> regretted it greatly. <laughs> that we, like, There was a point where I think she was like, should we leave this movie? Uh, but after being burned by my friend who refused to walk out of 10,000 B.C., I oh, refuse now to walk out of any movie. <laughs> I had to sit through that. Um, I got very mad later when I found out he walked out of a Transformers movie. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but I did it. I did it for, you know, for the laughs at the time. And I didn't get as many laughs out of it as I wanted to, except for hold on tight. Spider monkey. That did become a joke. Did, uh, for the time and I, <laughs> Did you did you continue this this gag through the sequels? Like, or is this the only one you saw oh, in theaters? This is the only one I saw in theaters. Oh, good okay. lord, man! <laughs> <laughs> now, Nicole, you uh, have read the book, so yeah. I feel like you you will be our authority as much I as have. one can be in this episode. Um, <laughs> so let's actually start with. So, well, first of all, you saw these in theaters, right? I saw no. I've only seen the Breaking Dawn movies in theaters. I have, and I've seen Twilight and New Moon on cable. I actually have not seen Eclipse. Somehow that kind okay. of fell between the cracks. Is Breaking all anybody, the books. I don't think anybody saw Eclipse. I think they they kind of skipped that one. Is Breaking <laughs> Dawn the one where they saw that Harry Potter could make twice the money by drawing a story out? So that's what they did. Oh, yes! Harry, Harry Potter cursed <laughs> the 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 making of movie films by splitting up their last one into two parts. That that doomed us all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Peter Jackson saw that was like, ooh, I can do that with a children's novel, but for nine hours. Uh in any case, Nicole, are the books the same level of quality quality 
as the movies like where <laughs> how is it is it as bad is it as self like is it self-aware because i don't feel like the movie's self-aware oh no they are both better and worse than the movies um worse because it's all narration they're all written in, except for the last one they're all written in first person from bella's perspective of course they are. um so it's like she's narrating the whole time instead of just some voiceover in this movie that seemed interminable um i remember i was curious you know the books were this phenomenon and i was curious about it i took it out of the library and i started reading it and i'm like oh oh my god this writing is just this this is sad. This is terrible. And I'm <laughs> reading it and reading it and reading it. And I'm just like, why isn't this written better as I continue to flip the pages? Cause I can't put it down. <laughs> so, just, so this is the book equivalent of hate of watching. Well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, com- it's a compelling story. That's just not very well written. I think we have we have to be honest here that a lot of YA novels aren't very well written, but no, yet are not. somehow are somehow a number of them have been compelling enough to become phenomenons. Uh, I mean, like, even Harry Potter, like J.K. Rowling, is not a great writer. I'm gonna say it. I have no problem saying it. But well, she's a garbage person, so you can go ahead and say whatever you want about her. <laughs> She's not a very good writer. She like everybody says everything angrily. They always do stuff quickly. Like everything is with adjective, adjective, adjectives. Like there's all sh- it's all tell, no show. Anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss. <laughs> yeah, well, the, well, the funny thing was that well, as as long as we are on that topic, and and I too spent my fair share of the week poo-pooing J.K. Rowling in our Slack because I also have a lot of issues with J.K. Rowling. Um, but I I got that phenomenon. Like I was the right age for that. I. Because I was probably a couple years late to Twilight in the sense that that was more 10, 12, 13, maybe. And the the big bang of, of peak Harry Potter was right when I was growing up. I remember going to see, I saw every single one of those movies in theaters. And I got that because there was something compelling in this universe for me about how they could, you know, just do anything with this magical fantastical world and in this one it's just hey it's oregon and there's something so much less exciting about it (laughs) washington same thing uh and wow (laughs) we just lost all of our (laughs) listeners the pacific (laughs) send your angry tweets to i am brett stewart (laughs) that's right the pacific northwest uh so but the and and i get i'm just i i never was the demo for this and and we need to talk to a tween girl, obviously, in order to hear about that. But it focuses more on the love story and less on the fantastical elements, whereas Harry Potter's kind of reversed in the sense that every love story in Harry Potter feels awkward and forced, and it's mostly about this magical world. Well, yeah, Harry Potter is about good versus evil and and all that. And this is about um, 100-year-old men loving teenagers, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, we do. We have, oh, Nicole, does the book ever what? say how old he is? Well, the movie says how old. 108? The movie says he was turned in like 19 something. Oh, you're like right. With the he was Spanish turned in plague. 1918, mm-hmm. and he, he was dying of Spanish influenza, and he was 17 years old. So he was born in 1901. 
That's right, because there's a flashback scene, and it, I know it's a flashback scene because they do it in sepia. Yeah, I was going to say that. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> just so I don't miss it. Um, sepia tone is how you know. <laughs> not My favorite flashback, though, is the explanation, the very brief explanation of the werewolf slash vampire truce which involves all of the vampires standing in the forest, like really angstily wearing modern day clothes, but it's just filmed in sepia. So that's supposed to tell me it's old. Well, no, no, uh, no, no. Uh, the men are wearing, wearing like steampunk. Yeah. The men are wearing vests that tells okay. you that it is an olden time. Sure. Uh, and that's the other thing I suppose is that they've been in this particular part of Washington and forks, a small town for a no. very, very long time. No, and they travel. But I thought, but I thought they were in the town because they made this agreement with the wolves a super long time ago. They they leave and like come back. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's okay. like a it's like an outpost for their their kind. There. Interesting. Okay. I, I guess my what I'm Why leading do I know to. So much? <laughs> I guess what I'm leading to, and and David, you put in our docky. You know, why do they pretend to be in high school and not just say that they're homeschooled or something <laughs> this, like that? What yes. that. It's nothing about their disguise is inconspicuous in the way they might think it is. It's so blatantly obvious that something is up with this family. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why they don't at least pretend they're in college. You know, why don't you pretend you're old enough to get into a club? (laughs) At least. Yeah. You know, I Empire would want to go to the occasional nightclub. Why not? Yeah. Let's, but, but like, let's say they are all 17 to 18. I don't know how old all of them were when they were turned. 14 year olds, like, let's say, like, they move and start as freshmen and then work up through the four years for some reason. Sounds awful to do for a hundred years, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yes. 14 year olds and 18 year olds do not look enough alike that you would be like, I guess he just hasn't changed at all. In that right. amount of time, oh, could you imagine being stuck a teenager just like the hormones? Oh, could God. you imagine being <laughs> so bad at your job that you're this school's truancy officer, and it's your job to make sure kids are showing up to class? And there's this same family that just goes absent every single time it's nice outside and has been at school forever. <laughs> like, I have so many questions about this family and they live in a lavish home they dress like they're all j crew models no one else in the town dresses like that but it's all part of the disguise so we don't know they're different well you develop very good taste in a hundred years or plus of living you know yeah apparently uh because they all look like they're from the j crew catalog and (laughs) i hate them Okay, let's. let's, let's <laughs> but do, do you love, do you love the way that their hair and their eyebrows don't quite match? Because that kind of do like that. Really. Also, I find the dad figure oddly charming, as as I know you did as well. Oh yeah, no, I I do want to take a second to shout out. Um, I I need to pull up the actor's name. Peter Facinelli. Yeah, Peter Facinelli. You know, is is giving a good performance in this movie, yeah. and I think like the I've seen one other one as well, like. You know, he's a charming guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's charming. I like him in this movie. I actually think that the the tidbits I get of the family are the more sufferable parts of this movie. Like, oh, I would, you like, would love the rest of these movies, Brett. I <laughs> yes. To tell you. <laughs> There's so much more about the family. Uh-huh. How much does, does it get really deep in the vampire politics? I bet it does. 
Oh, it God. does indeed. Yes, oh, yes. yes. That's all. That, that's all. This these movies really become about at a certain point. <laughs> Love story, it. I Love it. Yeah, okay. The next book introduces the Vampire Council in Italy. The yeah, Volturi. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> that's how I like my my children's fantasy. Is you know vampire politics, trade disputes. Oh my gosh, love it all. Okay. Um. So the narration in this movie as well. Nicole mentioned it at the top of the show. It it's entirely superfluous, and it's like the literal definition of showing, not telling, in the sense that everything. That Bella no, tells you in narration. Showing. Oh, sorry, yeah. telling not showing. <laughs> Everything she tells you in the narration, they could just explain if they wrote a script. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're it, just too busy sticking. Th- this this script is very faithful to the novel. To its own so, detriment. Yes. Yeah, it's it's them trying to be as truthful as entirely possible in that, like. That's a that ends up obviously being a bad thing. Um, the the TV show Arrow, I I think about this sometimes. The first episode has a a voiceover narration, and it's not very good. Like, you, but you get what they're going for because that's what they do in comics. You know, here's what they do in books. Like, you get what they're going for. But Arrow had the sense like to abandon that entirely. Where uh, this, they're like, well, how else are we going to know what's going on in her head unless she's telling us constantly? And it's Bella. <laughs> Nothing is going on in her head at any certain <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, I no, mean, no, no. she's got a rich inner life, guys. You just no, don't she... know. Uh, I, I know we're discussing this movie, but in the second one, there's a good half hour where she's just sad that Edward's gone, and that's the entire. <laughs> oh, the second book is so bad. And the trope of <laughs> the trope of the fact that she has to abuse her perfectly f- good father for no particular reason, like I feel so for, bad. For so him. there, there's a scene in this movie, and we'll yeah. we'll we'll have to carve out a whole separate ten minutes later on to talk about the baseball scene. I guess I don't I don't have the energy right now. I'm gonna build up to it, but post baseball scene, there's a bad vampire chasing Bella. Wants to get Bella. Is hunting Bella, um, and she has to go run away to to Arizona and has to leave the dad, and she could have gone about this in so many ways that weren't as emotionally damaging and cruel as the way she went about it with her poor father. It's so mean and unnecessary. Slipped out the window with Edward. Right. And he'd never know where she went. Or been like, Hey dad, having a hard time right now. Gonna go see mom. Still love you. Not going to irreparably damage our relationship. Catch you later. But no, just like personally insult him and like insult his failed marriage to her, to her mother. Oh my God. Bella. Yeah. No, none of it's great. Like, like, and, and, like throughout the throughout the series, like he's just constantly kind of like all these horrible things are happening to his daughter, and he's just like, yeah. well, okay, I guess I'm over here. Like, I just he's feel so, so bad like for him. Punching bag. Yeah, but he's like so supportive and loving, and right. gets no credit. And gets no. Credit. He is. Yeah, he gets oh. absolutely no credit. I feel so bad for him, and he's dealing with that mother who is the classic flighty mother with the minor league baseball playing boyfriend who is going to make yeah, it big go well. in Jacksonville. Oh boy. Uh, so Bella. Well, and what's, yeah. what's ridiculous is yeah. they leave Arizona 
which is where a lot of spring training happens. Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. They're like, we're going to Florida. We're going to Florida for spring training. And I'm like, but you left Arizona. Yeah. Like, that's where almost all the spring training happens. Oh, my God. Maybe Um, minor league is only in Florida. Yeah. No, I've seen some minor league games. I don't know. It seems to me like there are several indicators in this movie that Stephanie Meyer does not know how baseball works. Uh, just as a whole, like, this yes. seems like a larger issue. Yes. Um, but we'll get back yes. to that. Uh, Bella is is kind of a blank slate that's easy for girls to put themselves into. This is a, a topic from David. She certainly acts like one. I yeah, get the memes. You, Ten years yeah, later, I finally is, understand. She is literally a video game avatar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like she's the character that you've picked and you're living out this story through her. That's yeah. the whole... There's very little detail about like what she looks like mm-hmm. in the books, except that she says she's she's nothing extraordinary, um, and she's a klutz, so she's yes. relatable. Yes, like she's the biggest klutz in the world. Apparently, she breaks all kinds of shit during these books. Yeah, she is. She is awkward. Uh, she yes. is like a little bit uncoordinated, as you said, like she views herself as nothing special. Like it is so like for a teen girl, it is like no surprise that like they would easily insert themselves into these stories or like relate with her, which then also like expands. I don't want to get too far into the psychology of these stories because I have a lot of thoughts, very few of them joking, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but then she like goes to Forks, Washington, where she is suddenly the most interesting thing in the world. Everybody yeah. at all times is desiring. Her friends are just amazed that she is there <laughs> and like can't get enough of her. Yeah, she's so smart. She always knows the right thing to do when you want to, you know, ask out a boy that you've been pining after or you know the you know the day she arrives the boys descend like vultures on her (laughs) and her perfectly diverse perfectly diverse friend group where everybody's represented uh yes small town one guy one black guy all of them hitting on her the same day town in washington in washington yeah which is not known for its racial diversity really i was i was watching this movie and i've been the new kid at school many a time and moved around a lot growing up and it's never been quite as easy to make friends as she apparently can because the instant she shows up she's front page news literally oh my god um so i we mentioned she's a blank slate and we can kind of that that a young girl can put her in self into these shoes. I didn't really get from the movie though that she's like a klutz or that she's oh. um awkward. Like the movie doesn't sell that like the book might, it sounds like to me. Yeah. Watching it this time I did notice her like kind of bumping into stuff and I don't know. She's definitely awkward. You can't say she's not. Yeah, I guess All that's her true. Right. With everyone's pretty awkward. She also yeah, makes them and the awkward, dad's though. like, she's going to play baseball? Good luck with that. <laughs> and she's like, prom, that means dancing. I don't dance. <laughs> so, yeah. That's you. about as far as it gets. But uh, like yeah. in the books, it's like, over and over what a klutz she is and how she's constantly knocking things over and breaking things and tripping. Interesting. Okay, yeah. I don't really get a lot of that from the movie. I just get her as being... 
an angsty angster, right? Like if this movie could have the torn Nirvana t-shirt legally, it would have on every character. No, it yeah. turns into a critical plot point in the next book. No, Nirvana? When, when she cuts her hand. No, yeah. No, her, there's a there's a scene. Yeah, there's a scene in the next one where she cuts her hand in Jasper because they don't go to it. And, oh God, why am I going into this? Jasper isn't like the rest of them because he like for a while was feeding on humans. Right. They mentioned that that he that he's fresh on the vegetarian uh, diet. That's right. Yeah. It's like she cuts her hands open. And he like freaks the crap out and like almost yeah. eats her. Great. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, great. So. All right, so uh, let's talk about some of our other million discussion topics. We've never had this many before. Uh, Robert Pattinson has <laughs> so said... So many things to say. So many things. It's it's episode 100. It's okay. Um, so Robert Pattinson said that he thought Edward was weird and creepy, so he played him as such. Um, at which point, both myself and Nicole put in the docket our favorite examples, apparently, which mine is, I like watching you sleep because... Uh-huh. I don't know many girls that immediately swoon over that. Um, <laughs> especially because it's, it's not like cutesy as in like, we're already in bed together. I'm watching you sleep. It's I break into your home. And <laughs> then the other one, Nicole put in here. Well, stare at you while you're at your most vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to hurt you. I swear to God. And then the Culpa one here while speeding and changing lanes erratically. Distract me so I don't turn around and kill them. Oh, when the, because he can read minds. And of course, the, the guys that yeah. give her a hard time on the street, he comes and saves her because he's following her because that's what he does because yeah. he feels protective over her, even yeah, though he, he doesn't know her. But he was like, he was keeping his distance. <laughs> can't, can't even. He just wants to keep her safe, Brett. Sure. God, why don't you understand? Has anyone here watched that Netflix show called You? Has anyone no, seen this? No, but it looks about the same. So no. every single time in you, when the lead character is being a creeper, he just puts on a baseball hat as if somehow that just absolves him of any guilt that he's having and um, magically disguises him. And that's what I picture Edward doing at several points throughout stalking her because it is stalking. There is nothing romantic about that. And I guess that's what I want to get to is, you know, Nicole, you put in our docket as a former teenage girl, I can see the romantic appeal here, but the messaging is mixed at best. Is the things that he does, like, are they actually swoon-worthy in, in, in when you're 13 and just don't know any better? To, to, yeah, to someone who is romantically inexperienced, this compelling, uh, mysterious, you know, somewhat magical incredibly good looking being is interested <laughs> in you yeah. and so yeah he likes to look at her he wants to be with her he wants to keep her safe you know it's like wow i feel so special around this guy this guy makes me feel like i'm the most amazing person in the world so yeah i mean yes i see the appeal and right. teenage girls don't have a good track record of spotting all the red flags of which there are many. Yeah, oh God, no. this is the most toxic relationship from the get go. <laughs> Edward, Ugh. like Edward, like think about it. He protects her. He, uh, mm-hmm. he, and I, I, I kind of mentioned this also in the docket, like he desires her, but he is not overtly sexual. Like he has these strong primal desires, but he's denying them. He's never pressuring her. So, you know, he's a Mormon. <laughs> right yes exactly Mormon vampire well, yeah yeah but it's like it, like you know he's not gonna pressure her for sex he he 
just wants her for who yeah. she is. You know, she is so right, and that's another romantic thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she's not special to anybody except to him, and he's he finds her fascinating, and because he he can't read her mind like he can everybody else's. So she's she is special in a way, and it's just yeah, and and he's never going to pressure her. So mm-hmm. I mean, she's free to have her own sexual desires and agency and yet feel safe in the relationship. Like things aren't going to get out of hand. So she's free to like, you know, pull him closer when he does try to kiss her. So, you know, cause she's in the book. It's, it's very clear. She's super lusty toward Edward from like minute (laughs) one in the books, but they are not married. So nothing can happen. That's right, because Edward is old-fashioned. Oh, so, so I was going to ask that. Does he impose that upon the relationship as it progresses in the movie and books? So, Yes. Uh, well, partly yes. because he's old-fashioned and partly because he's scared that he will lose control and bite her. Yeah. Uh, be- okay. Like, so this is getting into some weird superhero stuff. But, like, <laughs> think about Superman and Lois Lane. Yeah. How would that ever really work? work (laughs) like just like because because not because like he's an alien because like he has like super speed and super strength and like all of these things that like yeah he can he can temper you know handing someone a piece of paper but like sex is different i'll just you know (laughs) that's that's a completely different ball mindset mindset yeah yeah And when they do, when they do eventually have sex he does like nearly kill her she bled, yeah, Edward and Bella, the, that is. Yeah. Yes, they break the bed and she blacks out, I think is what happens. <laughs> yes. Woof. All right. Um, and it, it also like... <laughs> Meow. <laughs> and, and I think the other thing is that there's a stereotype. It didn't start with Twilight. This is an age-old vampire romance stereotype of bloodthirst is sexy. And I just don't get it. Like the idea that you lust for my blood is sexy. Okay bloodthirst in and of itself like somebody wanting to drink the blood out of your veins no that's not terribly sexy but someone fastening his lips to your neck for an extended period of time that's sexy interesting okay (laughs) because i i i've oh you go ahead david i was gonna say everything Anne rice did for vampires to make them interesting again stephanie meyer just undid Oh, she does the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Because the anti Anne Rice. I, I, I've recently watched a Twilight Light uh, in the wee hours. Of, do you ever have a show that you have to watch at like one in the morning when you can't go to bed and it needs to be stupid because you know you're really not going to follow that closely? This was a show for me. There's a show on AMC called Discovery of Witches. I do not know if you guys have heard of this. And the show. <laughs> no. Title. This, oh, what's a group of witches called? Uh, a discovery? Sure, it's bad. <laughs> now, now the show is about how there are witches and there are vampires, and they live in society. And a witch and a vampire start up a forbidden romance in which he's all I'm like, out. "I'm out." I, he's all like, "I want to kill you, <laughs> but I love you because you're the most unique person I've ever met in 900 years." And it's basically Twilight. 
except filmed much more competently. And I somehow got through eight episodes of this. And the entire time I was thinking, is this what Twilight is like? Because Brett the whole... Dan's this. Brett well, is the, a... <laughs> discovery of witches at me. Uh, there's this whole like like dynamic of the two characters, the witch and the vampire of like, I really want to suck your blood and I have to resist that. And that's sexy. And that's what this does. And it's not sexy here either. And and don't watch Discovery of Witches. It's terrible. Uh, uh, it's but really do watch, bad. Do watch Dracula currently on Netflix, uh, yeah. the BBC uh, three episode miniseries. Um, that's very good. Uh, how many Bellas have there been? That's my next question, right? <laughs> like, like how many? Wait, what? How many Bellas have there? Been? How many? Like, oh, in Edward's life? Yeah, in Edward's like, life. How many? Yeah, not not in like Should literature. Use... Not like. <laughs> the... <laughs> Bella's no, no, no. I understand. Archetype. I understand what you mean. Like, how yeah. many relationships has he had prior to this? And the answer is none. Ugh, Not while he's God. been a vampire. This is the ah. first time he's allowed himself to fall in love. <laughs> Why does that make me so upset? Why am I laughing? <laughs> so because it's absurd. Because it's absurd. Years. Oh, that broke me. <laughs> that <laughs> fundamentally <laughs> broke me. Oh. I mean, you know, he. Had- I guess he had like a flirtation with some other vampire at some point, but like 50 years ago or whatever. But there, this is the first time he's really been in love with somebody. So, when this, when this phenomenon... It's, it's a terrible, terrible curse, so he has to be horribly rude to her at first. When this like phenomenon had like really started taking off, I remember uh, when it's also around when Cracked was really popular. So there were some really interesting Cracked articles about Twilight, and they talked about how like there's some really actually some really cool stuff they never touch on. Like there was a stretch of time where Edward was Batman essentially. Edward was like hunting down villains and like being pretty badass. And like give me that movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess 20, you kind of yeah, are I've, with literally bad. I, I, I was about to say twenty twenty one. Thought about that, and I think oh gosh, what's the name of the? Oh, it's going to kill me that I can't remember the name of the author. There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a semi comic writer who wrote a novel called You Suck about a guy who's been turned into a vampire and he has to drink oh, blood. Yes, and so he tries to find like bad guys to eat every night so that he doesn't kill innocent people. Yeah, Christopher Moore. Yes, yes, Christopher Moore. Yeah. And I've often thought that, you know, if I were I ever to become a vampire in some absurd scenario, um, that's probably what I would do. I would probably try to find people who were, you know, I'd probably go through a lot of prisons. But of course, I'd do background checks first to make sure that people had really been <laughs> incarcerated, uh, you know, not wrongly and make sure they're really guilty. Um, have you seen, or, uh, you know, but, sorry, go ahead. Have you seen the Santa Clarita diet? I was just about to mention that she's no. purposely targets <laughs> like Nazis and stuff. It's great. You, you got to watch like, it. Sweet. Yeah. She, yeah, she, she and, becomes a zombie and starts uh, going after bat. You should watch Santa Clarita. Uh, it's very, very, very good. And Timothy Oliphant is a treasure as, as is Drew Barrymore. <laughs> well, and my fiance would kill me if I did not mention Sweet Vicious, where like these two college girls uh, go after sexual predators on campus. So, yeah, and, and this and this movie takes <laughs> such an easy, and I guess the, the book as well. Part of the whole vampire thing is that at least there is the 
compelling enough dynamic of I have to kill to survive and I have to weigh that on my conscience. And there's such an easy out. Like we can just eat animals just like you. There's such well, an easy out in Twilight. Yeah, that's I mean, that, going back to Anne Rice, that's what makes Anne Rice character so compelling is like, you know, the the vampires are like kind of suicidal, but they like, you know, their need to live and feed is strong that they like kind of keep going and like it's a really conflict inside of them. And yeah, and this is like, yeah, we drink animal blood. Right. It's just such an easy yeah. solution. Like at first, when I first saw it, I thought that maybe the doc was taking blood from the hospital because that was my initial That's idea. Better. That's better. That least- happens later. <laughs> of course oh, it, yes, does. it does. Yeah. So l- let's let's double back to whether or not Edward's a pedophile. Uh, um, oh. Does <laughs> does physical? <laughs> I can't. Does physical age supersede how long they've been alive? Um, and does their relationship later become inappropriate when Bella is 18? <laughs> David, and he's 17? <laughs> You're going to flip it? <laughs> well, no, because because he stays 17, but she, I, be- I believe by the end, is 18 years old. And yes. so like, if it's like, this is a question that comes up, <laughs> has come up for me in a few different things. Like I was watching Adventure Time. There's a character that is canonically a thousand years old, but physically becomes 13 for a time after something happens. And she kind of almost has a little relationship with the main character who is 13. And nothing like really ever really happens. But I was thinking about it later and I'm like, well, she's not really 13. She's still been alive for a thousand years. And that like kind of came back to this where it's like, he's been alive for over a hundred. Like he's 17, uh, but he's been alive for but over. But he's a, got. Yeah. He's got, yeah. He's got a hundred years of life experience. It, yeah. it's. I don't know. You know, his dating pool is not big. If he's going to high school like every year for the past 80 years or whatever. (laughs) I feel like that's also a miss in this movie that it doesn't give me any taste of what he's been doing for a hundred years or whatever. They've been going piano. Yeah. Piano. Well, and also at one point (laughs) being Batman, but they've just been going to high school. They just, every four years, they just go to high school. And they don't, they don't interact with other students. Nope. No, of course not. They just take the same classes over. It is depressing me the more I talk about it. <laughs> literally it really, hell. It really does sound like a purgatory, does it? Unless you peaked in high school. Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't know. I have often thought that I might enjoy like a year going back to high school if sure. I could you know, like go back to my 17 year old body with the experience that I have now. I think I would enjoy it a lot more because you can brush off all the, all the, the backstabbing and insults and bullying and whatnot. You could just shrug it right off as Mm -hmm. an adult. You're just like, yeah. Oh God, really? That's what you've got for me. All right. You can buy a lot (laughs) of Apple stock. Like there's a lot I could do if I went back (laughs) to the appropriate age, but that's right. Four years on repeat for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah, it's exhausting over to think about. And over. And over. Yeah. <laughs> now, and also, if it's such a small town, how are people not notice? Okay, whatever. We're, we we can't anymore. Um, what's up with the questionable betrayal of Native Americans? 
because I was watching this and I was like, oh, the Native Americans in the neighborhood are the mystical werewolf gatekeepers to legends and folklore. And they're the ones to give Bella like ominous warnings about don't hang out with with Edward. And it just seems incredibly racist to me. Well, Jacob, to be fair, is like, yeah, there's a story in our tribe. He's not like, oh, well, you know, like a hundred years ago. He's just like, this is just like the legend of our people, I guess. And then later on. But still, isn't the whole trope of like, they're these mystical, like they're literally werewolves. They're not overtly mystical. Except for the whole turning into werewolves thing. Yes, there's that. There's just just something about the dumbing down of, I, I can't quite put my finger on what's, it's just like, it's one of those racist things where you see it and you're like, oh, that's kind of racist, but you're not 100% sure why. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it does both. You know, there's, there are a couple of good things in that Jacob's like an ordinary kid who happens to go to school on the reservation and he likes playing, you know, he likes tinkering with engines and talking to Bella and hanging out. And, you know, Bella's dad and Jacob's dad hang out together and they're good friends and there's no, you know, they're not always grilling each other about what each other's culture is like. They just hang out and are friends. And, you know, bonus points for the fact that, you know, Billy Black is disabled and they don't make a big fat deal out of it that he happens to be a wheelchair user. Um, That's just, he just is, you know, that's just another physical trait that he happens to have. But, yeah, I mean, also, you know, when the kids, the high school kids go down to the beach to surf, you know, all of a sudden there's like these four long haired, brown skinned, you know, open shirted boys show up with their hair flying in the breeze, um, looking super exotic and you know, and you, you just kind of feel kind of icky. <laughs> uh, I, first, I want to yeah. I want to call out to that you mentioned Billy Black, uh, Gil Birmingham, who is a great actor. Yes, um, yes he great, is great in Hell or High Water, and also really funny in On Unbreakable uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Um, but also, I want to I want to call out the scene for a second when uh, he is like. When uh, when they are down at the beach, as you were talking about, and uh, the one kid is like, the Cullens aren't allowed here, like really loudly in front of everyone. And then later, Bella brings that up, yeah. and Jacob's like, mm, you heard that, huh? It's like, yeah, he said it in front of <laughs> everybody. And it cuts like con- right to him saying that, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no pause. <laughs> Poor Taylor Lautner, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, these movies kind He's of just- ruined him. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I just I mean, feel like there's something there's something about the Native American portrayal that rubbed me the wrong way, and maybe it's not quite as bad as I as I think it was. But there's just something odd about it to me. I it is. Yeah, it's like yeah, it, they're magical. It's like uh, it's like it's almost good. It's almost right, and then uh no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and also like, is is Taylor? Yeah. <sighs> maybe I'm going is, down too much of a rabbit hole that I can't. You know, is Taylor does he have Native American descent? Is he is he Native American? Pretty sure he does. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, that, that's. I don't know. Let me just let me just do a quick Google here. Oh, no, I was like yeah, on Google right now. This is Taylor Lautner shirtless. Okay. 
So this is going Certainly. great for me over here. This is going. He's he's Roman Catholic with Dutch, English, French, and German descent, but has stated, quote, distant Native American ancestry. Where's the tan from? Then? Yeah, where is that tan <laughs> from? Yeah, I don't know. I can that tell you, it's not the, it's not the English, French, come with German, Dutch, Irish. English, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, interesting. Those don't usually go together. <laughs> anyway, I'm just going to go back to my tab that has shirtless pictures of Taylor Lautner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's clearly cast for his appearance and he's got this kind of slightly fangy smile when he smiles mm-hmm. um, that I don't think are augmented teeth. I think those are his actual teeth. That's how he looks. Yeah. Um, yeah so, and uh, he was actually kind of skinny for this movie. And like the, the second this movie stopped shooting, he started this intensive workout program mm-hmm. to be ready for new moon where he would be shirtless for a good half the movie. Yep, and then as and much as they could, the do, yeah. The next two movies. What my favorite part of the preview of Breaking Dawn, I think oh part boy. one with the, with the wedding, <laughs> is he walks outside, casts over the invitation, and then starts running in the rain and takes his shirt off yeah. as he's running. And I'm just like, All right, yeah. sold. You got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and yeah. speaking Later of running, you discover that all the wolf guys have like these um like these pouches strapped against their calves where they stick their human clothes so when they're, they can go into wolf form without ripping all their clothes and then they can put them on again once they've changed back. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so yeah. speaking of, yeah. speaking of running though, I do want to transition. Oh, David, you had something really quick. Well, yes. I just, I wanted to, I just wanted to say real quick with Taylor Lautner. I think it's so interesting to to look at how different the world is 10 years ago versus today where when he was cast none of us knew that he wasn't he didn't have all this native american ancestry you know he wasn't a a native actor uh now though like if if that casting were to happen we would all know about it that would be like a big deal yeah yep yeah for sure absolutely uh so i'm I'm glad that that's the case i'm yeah yeah, it's the it's the the jelly bean metaphor you know where you've got seven thousand colored jelly beans in one dish and you've got like or like seven thousand white jelly beans in one dish and like 30 colored jelly beans in another dish and the white actors get to pick from the dish with all the white jelly beans and the one with the colored jelly beans in it whereas the actors of color only get to pick from the dish with the colored jelly beans mm-hmm. in it and occasionally get tossed a white one as a bone. You yeah. know, so if you're Scarlett Johansson, you just pick from to... both aggressively. <laughs> right. There's a... So, I mean, I'm, I am very glad that the tide is turning toward, you know, greater scrutiny of mm-hmm. giving those roles, making sure that those roles go to actors of color. Yeah, there was a good John Cho interview I heard where he used to be excited when he would get landing, he'd land a role that was like meant for a white person. He's like, ah, look, you know, I, 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 I got this role. But he was saying in that interview that really what that was showing is like there weren't a lot of roles written for Asians. And like that should be, that's now what he's more focused on trying to change and advocate for versus like just trying to get the roles that were written for whites that he can get. Yeah, that was that was recently a qualm that uh, the actor who played Aladdin last year brought up in an interview, which was, you know, he he was very frank in the interview. He said, I was Aladdin and I have yet to get a casting call in the last year. 
um, hmm. just because there's no roles for for me. And uh, and that kind of blew my mind. Like a, a movie makes a billion dollars. You are a beloved character. He played it very well. Um, not a single role after that. So that's hmm. you're right. That's indicative of them not writing enough of those roles. Um, but let's let's talk let's talk about them running because I, I really want to talk about that and how <laughs> they right. when oh, they so run it's when they, so bad there's like this motion blur effect that makes them look like a really stupid looking Sonic the Hedgehog. It's terrible. Except the time that there's not when he's carrying her up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, he just like zips so up. And there's They're like a very lot of clearly on wires and yes. there's no effort to make it look like his feet even touch the ground no. at any point. And it's just or touch or that his hands really sink into the tree when he climbs. He's just oh, sort of yeah. brushing his fingertips against it as he, you know, yeah. moves his limbs as if he's climbing as they pull him on wires up into the air. And it's just awful. It's real bad. It's so bad, but but like all these effects are kind of bad. Like the the sparkling, I'd never seen the sparkling before. Uh, I'd, I'd always heard, I'd always heard jokes because again, I've never seen these movies. But like seeing him actually like unveil himself to Bella as a sparkly, um, I he, I think he calls himself like a, a lion, and that's a whole other piece of oh, there's the whole bad dialogue. The, uh, oh, the those lines metaphor. are so bad. <laughs> They're some of the worst lines in the movie, um, passably flirting, and uh, he glow—not glows. Glowing would have been better. He sparkles, sparkles, but yeah. it's so bad. And she just like looks at him. She's like, "You're beautiful. It's like a bunch of diamonds, man." And it's so bad looking. Like this movies did not look this bad in 2009. I don't think they did. This no, that- she describes it a little bit better in the novel. In the novel, it's more like, uh, you know, like a, when you get a stone with a lot of mica in it, like if you carved it, that would sparkle a lot in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I mean, in the book, she's const- constantly comparing Edward to a Greek statue, you know, about how pale he is, does. about how hard his skin is, about how absolutely perfect he is as if he was sculpted by the most talented sculptor in the world and just just like oh god shut up enough. and this is a this is a good it. time to bring up that <laughs> edward was a sex dream of stephanie myers <laughs> she did not specify that it was a sex uh, okay dream, <laughs> it seemed pretty clear i mean we all get it but yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean uh yeah, so the sparkle effect is bad. You're right. The sparkling effect is bad. Yeah. So I just looked I it think up. it's an interesting way to go after the problem of why they can't go in the sun. Yeah. You know, I like uh, that she at least tried to do something different other sure. than he would burst into flames if he was touched by the sunlight. Sure. Yeah, uh, but making so him a human kaleidoscope, it looks so cheesy. <laughs> the the first movie's budget was thirty seven million dollars, which is not a small budget like right. yeah. especially in 2008 like that money could go a little bit further they should have given it to wet a workshop they know what to do with a buck they can stretch it yeah and, and while <laughs> they were at it they should have hired different cameramen another item here you know nicole you commented that it looks like a shot with a handheld camera by someone with a mild case of vertigo and no grasp of the idea of personal space it is so 
like aggressive in its <laughs> in its camera yes. shot decisions where it goes really 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 fast and then it rotates around them and then the cameraman runs around them in circles and then there's a long shot where they stare at each other and then does it again and it's really close always really <laughs> close yeah yeah which i don't understand i i, I looked it up this is the same cinematographer that did out of sight which looked fantastic but i don't know maybe in that case steven soderbergh like actually acted as the camera operator in those cases because he often does Mm -hmm. um but i mean this particular guy you know i'm i'm not gonna call him out by name number one because i don't have it right in front of me i did write it down um (laughs) but you know if i'm saying something bad about about somebody i'm not going to make as much of a point as <laughs> to, to to find their their name and its proper pronunciation and whatnot but i mean this is this is not good the camera is moving almost all the time and it's right in people's faces and overall the effect is a little nauseating yeah it is it it's like they wanted us to be part of this relationship but i don't want to be part of this relationship <laughs> I want to be far away from this relationship. Well, and, if and I part want to of be that, part of this relationship, I want it to be. I want to be part of this relationship without feeling like I need to go lie down because I might hurl if I don't. And also, <laughs> and also, without shirts, take it off, Edward. Take it off. <laughs> That's right. And and like I think, and then in part, if it's not an incompetent, I, incompetent is too strong of a word. If it's not, I I, I think it's poorly directed then perhaps that might be where some of the problem lies is that at the end of the day you can be great at your job and you can be a very competent camera person but if you just have a director telling you to run in circles around them that's what you're gonna do and it's not great it's not at any point and and it's and there's such a stark dichotomy because you do have things coming out well even before this that are in the same sphere we talked about harry potter harry potter for all of the flaws that it does have visually was always pretty stunning and you just don't get yeah. that here um, at all. And and I think David, you mentioned, you know, the movie moves at breakneck speed or it slows down almost a halt and this pace is erratic and makes the movie boring. And I think that's largely because of this really erratic, you know, cinematography. Yeah. It, like the first 10 minutes of this movie, she moves to forks. She meets all of her friends. She's introduced to the Collins. She moves in with her dad. Like all this happens in the first 10 minutes. It is just like a, a unrelenting speed. And then it just randomly just slows down and then it'll pick back up and it'll go really quick. And she's doing all this research and she's, you know, she's running into these guys and all these things are happening. Then it just slows down. Uh, there's a, a the, the bond movie um, at uh, uh, Casino Royale. I love Casino Royale. Casino Royale, though, suffers from having long stretches in between their really intense action scenes. Uh, and that kind of makes the movie kind of feel a little bit you know, longer, but you have Mads Mikkelsen and Daniel Craig, so everything's great. In this movie, like things... And character like, development. Yes, exactly. And, <laughs> and this snappy movie, writing. Yeah. In this movie, everything's happening really quickly, and then they're staring at each other in a meadow for long, uninterrupted shots. Quite literally, in meadows. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it just, it, yes. it stretched. Like, I, the, the, so when there was 30 minutes left in this movie, I was like, how are there 30 minutes? And then I checked to what I thought 20 minutes had passed and there was still 20 minutes left in the movie. And what is up <laughs> with these two's uh, like objection 
to just a coffee shop? Why do they have to have all these conversations in creepy, like, forests? Because it's romantic. They're always in some sort of creepy, deserted forest area. But they're talking about him being a vampire. You're going to talk about that in Starbucks? Right. (laughs) (laughs) I I suppose. He's not going to order anything. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, What's that, the point of that? What a creepy first date. What a creepy... I mean, okay, I will... I, 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 I hate to pick on a female director. I really do, because there are so few of them. You know, Catherine Hardwick, I will, I will give her credit that she absolutely captures the moony-eyed obsessiveness that you can have with your first love. You know, you... Th- Think about them all the time and you just want to be with them and you just want to look at them, especially if they're good looking. You just want to sit there and look at them. So she indulges that 110%. So you you get that. But there are other people watching this movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't allow for that at all. No, she does not. Now, now there are other, you know, tween slash early teen mega franchises. Um, You know, we've mentioned Harry Potter. I think the other really big one is probably Hunger Games. And which are well written, by the way. Yeah. And and the movies are an excellent writer. Movies are pretty good. Uh, But I, you know, that last book is (laughs) now, but not for um, the writing, not for the writing. (laughs) So, but my point being is that this all happened. This this all happened like when I was growing up. I saw Hunger Games in the theaters, saw Harry Potter in the theaters. Fortunately, avoided this, and then it kind of hit a dead stop. And I know someone put in our docket here that there's been attempts to 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 do that, right? There was Divergent, and there was the Maze Runner movies, but those were not to the level of cultural phenomenon and success of either of those other three franchises. I don't think since the Hunger Games has there been a young adult franchise of that level of success. I don't think there has been. No. And even the last hunger games, I don't even think made that much money and divergent was making so little money that they canceled the, the film right. they were making and everything and, they were working on. And maze runner maze runners. Interesting enough. I've, I've seen the films and they're, they're actually kind of interesting, but they're certainly not, at anywhere in the, in the in the pantheon of, of success of any of those other three franchises, um, no. and you, whoever wrote right. this also wrote his Dark Materials, Mortal Engines, Dark Materials. I suppose we're oh, probably talking me. about the first attempt, the Nicole Kidman attempt, the Golden Compass, and then that I, floundered. I mean, part of that is because you can't really kill think, God in Hollywood. So I mean, there was probably that going for him down the line <laughs> at some point. And I think the other one, you know, Mortal Engines, obviously that that was, that was just bad. So they well, haven't been I, able to get this running. I think, I mean, I think uh, I'll be curious to see, you know, how His Dark Materials does entirely on HBO. People seem to enjoy it, but I haven't heard a ton of buzz about it. I think that TV probably is a little bit of a better place. That's where we're going to see more book adaptations as time goes on. But yeah, yeah. Right, so many streaming platforms now mm-hmm. they're they're they need the content they'd be they're happy to snap up whatever book happens to be vaguely popular mm-hmm. yeah and, and i just think about some of these franchises you know that they've they've tried in the last decade and a half you know there was the aragon books and 
God knows how that went. There was the oh, Giver yeah. book that was very popular. Like the Giver was hugely popular and had several books, and they only got through one movie because it was like, a there bad was more movie. than one Giver book. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, there's like the it. City of Embers ones or whatever, where they tried to make a movie and then it got canceled. And like, like they've tried to do these. There's the Alex Rider movies and Percy Percy Jackson. That's another one where they tried to make successful oh, yeah. movie franchises that didn't really reach the level of success they're hoping for it just seems like maybe it just a, didn't work and maybe yeah, it's the it, pl- prolifer a uh, proliferation of content where it's like teens no longer have to put all their eggs in the basket of waiting for the next big harry potter movie because there's a million things they can watch on netflix and maybe that's why something like this hasn't caught on or maybe there's just not a well-written enough, but I guess we've already already established they don't have to be that well-written. I just don't know what no, it is. I wonder why no, it's missing but, right now. Yeah, but compelling, I think, is also important. You know, teenagers didn't just read Harry Potter. Adults read Harry Potter. Adults read... Yeah, uh, I guess that's Hunger it, right? Games. Adults read mm-hmm. Twilight as well. Yep. Adults didn't read Percy Jackson. Adults didn't read no. Maze Runner. You know, the, you're missing this large chunk of the audience unless like the movie is stellar and gets you know a bunch of attention which as we have talked about hasn't really happened yeah i guess i think of like you know there was like series of unfortunate events failed movie kind of successful netflix show yeah a a pretty well done netflix show from my understanding Um, narnia was another one that seemed like that was kind of hit and miss narnia also there's more of those movies than you think there are (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's like I remember three the of them animated ones yeah but i remember narnia seems like that should have been primed for success because that is such a like relatively beloved series by adults as well like c.s lewis is a beloved writer but just never caught on it just seems like you need that magic you need that lightning in a bottle and twilight hunger games and harry potter all had it and I don't think anything's had it since. And we'll see if anything ever does again. Uh, who knows, right? It's almost like the Game of Thrones thing. Like, will, will a show ever be as culturally massive as Game of Thrones was? And maybe we're just reaching a point where this is not exclusive to young yeah. adult movies not being successful anymore. It's just that there's so much of everything that we all can't pay close enough attention to one specific thing anymore, unless it's Star Wars. And even then, we apparently well, don't care anymore. Well, will any show be as big as game of thrones yes because there was a show as big as game of thrones before then there was a show as big of, yeah. as before that show yeah you know, i guess like, so. yeah it's gonna happen i hope yeah it's the i feel Witcher. like it's it's gonna be like you know the big bang big crunch theory where like there's this massive expansion going on right now but i feel like it's gonna contract back to, back mm-hmm. a little bit again at some point because it's just i don't think it's sustainable the way it's spreading out right now. Nobody's going to be able to make any money if it continues to spread out this way. I think you're right. I also think that there might be part of a lack of an audience for a young adult specific franchise in the sense that maybe it's just the people I'm around, but it seems like it seems like kids that age 12 to like 16 are watching content that is designed for an older audience at a younger age than ever before. Like kids watch well, Game of Thrones, you know, my, like, like high school kids that my fiance teaches. Right. Like, yeah. like high school kids, my fiance teaches all watched Game of Thrones. Right. And that is like hyper violent for their age, but they're watching it mm-hmm. as, as they are watching, you know, Watchmen and like that sort of stuff. So maybe it's just, there's less of a, 
an, an audience for the sanitized young adult story. I don't know. Well, I mean, The Hunger Games isn't sanitized that far no. uh, if you actually Not really. read yeah. the novels. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I don't. I don't worry too much about whether stuff is sanitized for kids or not. I mean, I'm. I started reading Stephen King when I was like eight. Right. <laughs> when I was what anybody nowadays would consider much too young, but my mom was just happy that I was reading period. So she let me read pretty much whatever I wanted. Um, and, but I mean, I really think that nowadays it's kids who are bored have a tiny entertainment device that they can take anywhere and everywhere. And they don't need, you don't need books. You know, they might read on their phone or they might not. They could do 27 other things. They could go page through memes for an hour and a half straight. <laughs> you know, it's... I, Kids and these I'm days. not bemoaning it. I think it, I think it is a phase. You know, I think this is a, a phase, a craze, whatever you want to call it. Um, so what we're saying is where are the meme movies? <laughs> We watched well, one day. We got the emoji movie. Why not the meme movie? <laughs> no, nah, uh, that's what I was thinking of the, the emoji movie. But I, oh god, please no! So how would they make that work? Tricky. They didn't make the emoji work, and they did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, as as Jeff Goldblum once said, if they spent way right, too let's... much time thinking about whether or not they could, and not whether they should. Maybe I should do this at the end of all of our You did this to us uh, Would I watch this or the Emoji movie if I had to pick And I would pick <laughs> this Yes I agree I would, So would Topanga I would, pick this, I would pick a Twilight marathon of All the movies before I watch The Emoji movies again yeah. Although you know like I said I've I've seen almost all the Twilight movies Anyway, and you know, to the <laughs> I saw the the last two of the Twilight movies in the theater to the uh dismay of the teenage girls who gave me the stink eye when I busted out laughing as the wolves start talking <laughs> telepathically to each other. <laughs> oh god. I forgot they could do that. And I suppose like as long as we're mentioning <laughs> as long as we're talking about like what Twilight spurred. Fifty Shades of Grey exists. I'll leave it at that. But because that was a Twilight, phenomenon. Yeah. That was a phenomenon of its own. So, yeah. Speaking of, it started poorly... out being a fan story about Bella and Edward. Mm -hmm. Speaking of poorly, horribly written stories, I've I, actually not read the Fifty Shades books, so I I've don't read, know for certain. I've read excerpts again on Cracked and. Good Lord, people put up with that writing? Well, the best way to put up with it, because I indeed have read the majority of the first book, and that is only because I had it read to me by Gilbert Godfrey, which what? I highly recommend. <laughs> it's on That's YouTube. Fine. He reads basically an audiobook interpretation of the book. 10 out of 10. Couldn't beat it. So let's let's wrap up and end and Twilight. If you have any thoughts about twilight if you're a listener yelling into your phone right now about how you loved twilight or you had kids that love twilight we'd love to hear from you hi hi at mgrpodcast.com that is where you can give us feedback on twilight or just about anything else uh any closing thoughts episode 100 twilight it could have been the room 
I suppose it's got that going for it. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I think this would have this was probably a better discussion for a hundredth episode than the room would have been. Yeah, I think people forget. I think you mentioned this on da- on Twitter, David, but I think people forget that the room is like ninety percent boring and ten percent yeah. funny. No, it's ten percent memes, ninety percent boring is how I put it. It kind of is. <laughs> it kind of is. And this is just a hundred percent bad. Uh, mm-hmm. Nicole, any closing I, thoughts? You know, I would say this actually was not as bad as I remembered. I mean, it's it's bad. It's it's certainly got its bad points, but it's also got its its entertaining points to it. Um, you know, you know Pattinson's and Kristen Stewart's acting is actually better than the popular culture would have you believe in these movies. It's just the material they are working with is insane. Um, So (laughs) they're actually doing a fairly decent job with what they've been given. Uh, And Kristen Stewart's character is not called on to smile like almost ever in the book. Mm -hmm. So that's why her facial expressions are pretty limited in this movie. She's also supposed to be thinking real hard a lot of the time about what Edward's secret is um, and how handsome he is. So, you know, so, I mean, it's not, it's not the worst thing we could have watched. There were many other worse options that we could have been saddled with. And (laughs) You know, if you're if you want to put this on in the background, like while you're cooking or vacuuming where you can't hear the dialogue (laughs) or (laughs) doing some other activity, then you you might get some enjoyment out of this. Yeah. With with the riff tracks, uh, this movie's pretty enjoyable. Right on. Well, where can we where can we find everybody online as we close out? What about you, Nicole? I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast. Very good. And you, David? Uh, you can find me under the username Davluz. That's D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter, find me there and I'll you'll find the rest of my stuff. Very good. Find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart and find all this good stuff on social.mgrpodcast.com. We will be back next week, episode 101. We are moving into the 100s with a new to two. It's my pick. We're watching 1984's Paris, Texas. If you'd like to follow along, we'll see you then. Wait a second there, hold the phone. That's not the music we're used to hearing here at the end of the show. Well, that's because episode 100, we wanted to bring you some new changes, and we're trying out some new tunes. Check this one out, and if you like it, we might start incorporating more throughout the show. Let us know. Hi at MGRpodcast.com.